With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Friday, November 17th, and we are here answering your financial questions. And if you've got one, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the contact us button, and we will get your note. If you want to join us live, just check that box off. Mark does everything else. Hey, while you're on the website, check out all the good stuff there that's for free. We have got a blog. We have videos. We have a radio show tab. We've got resources. And of course, we have the free weekly newsletter, which comes out today, every single Friday. Mark does such a good job with that. Mark, have I reached my limit? Have I reached my my milestone? All right, gang. uh, Let me tell you about this newsletter. I need 300 subscriptions and I need it fast because I am going to give Mark a bonus. Mark, you're going to get an extra bonus if we get to the milestone. I need 300 people to subscribe to the newsletter. And what should we give Mark as a bonus for that? An extra grand? Okay, I'll do it. I'm going to give Mark an extra $1,000 if you get three, if I get 300 of you to subscribe to the newsletter. Don't forget there's people who are falling off every day. So, you, But I need 300 people to get us to this big milestone and I'm going to give Mark a thousand bucks. I am going to check on Saturday morning. I'm going to check tomorrow morning. I want to see what kind of community we have. Okay. We got to, Mark needs a thousand dollars, but I want to be clear. This is not the only bonus he's getting because that would make me seem like a schnorr. I mean, it is in addition to his other bonus that he gets. So will Mark get the extra $1,000 this year? I need 300 people to help him out. 300 people. And if you sign up for the newsletter just for the fun of it, shoot him a note and say like, uh, I got you. I'm I'm, I'm one more closer to getting your thousand bucks. I'm going to give Mark a thousand dollars if we get to that milestone. Let's do some emails. Ed writes, I'm in my 80s. My company-sponsored 401k has been losing money, and I can't afford to lose. Mm. Since my company changed managers of our 401k from a highly rated company to a second financial company, which is much lower rated, this is by Consumer Reports rating, I'm not satisfied. 
Uh, can I move a 401k from one investment company to another that is responsive to the losses? Okay, first of all, hold on. I presume you're not working at this company anymore. You're in your 80s. You can move your 401k wherever you want. You can do a direct rollover. But to be clear, when you roll over, you're not going to have somebody managing your money for you, I don't think. You're just going to do it yourself. If you do want someone to manage your money, then we would have to talk a little bit about what your needs are. Do you need someone to do this just automatically? Then you can do that with a lot of different companies. You can do it with Fidelity and Charles Schwab, and you can do it with Betterman. You can do it a hundred zillion different choices out there. But if you want real specific advice, that's something different. So Ed, you can totally move it, direct rollover into an IRA rollover account, but I would like to know a little bit more about you so that we can make sure that this is the right thing for you. Okay, this is from Lisa. You recently suggested an allocation of 50% large cap equities, 15% small cap, 15% international, 20 intermediate bonds. I'm curious, is there a reason why U.S. mid cap equities are not included in the allocation? Or instead of adding mid caps, does it make sense to use a total market index instead? You know what? I'm going, I, I agree with you. You're right, Lisa. Let's just do an extended market index and just forget small caps at this point. They stink anyway. So I'm going to go with Lisa's portfolio, which is essentially, again, if you want to have an 80-20, that you have, let's say, 70% in a U.S. extended market index, 10% in an international stock index, and 20% in an intermediate term bond index. You're right. I like it better. I mean, mid caps are so interesting right now because I was just listening to the compound and friends and they made a great point, which is like a lot of those mid cap funds, firms are really large cap stocks already. It's very strange. So they need to do a little rebalancing, but yeah, I'm okay. Jill and Mark, thank you for this daily podcast that offers such helpful, practical advice for us all. I've been listening for over two years. I find something new or reinforcing every day. Lisa, thank you. That's a nice note. I'll take it. Okay, this is a question from Gary. He writes, this is another take on one of your favorite topics on which upon which you like to find disfavor. (laughs) After 20 years of owning a whole life policy, I'm beginning to think you're right. (laughs) I have listened to your advice to an individual considering the purchase of a whole life policy as well as to an individual who purchased a policy three years ago. Wait till you hear my story. Here we go. You ready, Mark? Gary says, I'm 69 years old and I'm still working in a job that I love and I hope to work substantially full time for another five years. I'm about to celebrate my 46th wedding anniversary. Gary is a guy who is loyal. I'll tell you that much. They've got two kids in their 46 grandkids. Children are financially secure. We've got no debt, no plans to incur debt. My annual income is in the low seven figures. Got that, Mark? Low seven figures. We live on about a third of my income. We pay about a third in taxes and we save a third. My wife and I are about the same age. She is not employed. Okay, here we go. In 2005, I bought a whole life policy. The initial death benefit was a million dollars and it's now 1.65 million. I have no other insurance, but don't know why I need any insurance. I paid $51,000 into the policy for 14 years until my policy was, quote, paid up. What does that mean, gang? When he says paid up, he means that you don't have to pay any more. You don't have to make premium payments and the, the insurance policy will stay in force. I've made no premium payments for five years. Guess what the cash value is now? Just over a million dollars. Not a great investment. Okay, not a good investment, but I've made worse. Okay. 
Here's why I purchased the policy. One, I was investing in the stock market and maxing out my 401k. I wanted an investment alternative to the stock market. Okay, fair enough. Two, I was looking for another bucket of funds for retirement and planned to pull $70,000 a year beginning at age 70. And three, I wanted an investment that was exempt from creditors just in case I suffered a malpractice claim that was not fully covered by insurance. Okay, none of those are bad reasons. Interest rates under earned under the policy have averaged 5.5%. It's lower than what I might have initially expected, but it's the chance I took. What I did not realize is that once I started pulling money out of the policy and had received a return of my basis, ah, pay attention to this, that I would start paying taxes on what I was pulling out. And if I cashed in the policy at some time later, some later date, I would owe significant income taxes. You probably know a lot more than I do as to what I can expect for the next 10 or 15 years from this policy. So gang, here's the thing. You put a certain amount of money in, the money grows. But what's weird about insurance is that while the money is inside the policy, there's no tax due. But once you have pulled out the amount of money that satisfies your cost basis, what you put in, everything that comes out is ordinary income. Ordinary income, not even capital gains. So that's a little bit of an issue. Okay, now here's the next part of the story. His parents are alive and well, they're in their mid nineties. So I have to live like, (laughs) so I have to live like I will die tomorrow, but I plan to live to a hundred. My father-in-law is also in his mid nineties. My wife needs to do the same. The life insurance policy represents a little less than 10% of my investable assets. I would not expect to start tapping the cash of the policy for another five or six years. I'm in the maximum tax bracket, but I may not be in the maximum when I stop working full-time. What, if anything, do I do with this policy? I'm going to say nothing. Don't do anything. You know, that you can just have a paid up policy and you'll go from there and you'll, you know, once you're 20 years in, I figure you're kind of like, you've, you've voted and it's not the worst thing in the world. It really isn't. So I think the rationale is fine. I would have given you some other potential ways of considering this you know, kind of going forward, you are where you are and it's fine. It's totally fine. So I'm good with that. I really am. Okay. And finally, this is from Robert who writes, I'm getting a lot of emails telling me to get out of the cash dollars that I have in the bank and into precious metals like gold and silver before the dollars that I have in the bank are converted to digital currency. First of all, this is silly. Stop thinking that. Turn off your, turn off your radio. Cause I know this is like all over AM radio. So no, you don't need to do anything. Don't worry. If you want to own some precious metals, maybe inside of an account, like in a 401k or an IRA or a Roth, you can have a little bit of a a commodities fund. And that's it. No more than 3% of the total invested assets. Robert, everyone calm down. Whenever anything is too late and nothing's going to happen, there's no bank is converting to digital currency. Okay? Everyone breathe. Uh, all right, that's it. That's the program. And we are so glad that you've joined us. And we hope that if you have a financial question, you just go to our website, jillonmoney.com and click the contact us button. We're going to be talking to you all weekend long. So don't worry, we'll be right here with you. And if you've got anything on your mind, we are always available to ask a question. Okay. Uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast. Maybe that's on the Odyssey app. Odyssey is the ones who distribute us, right? Because this is Friday. Let's do it. Uh, Friday, our music is composed by Joel Goodman. 
Mark Talesio is the executive producer and the web king, and we are distributed by Odyssey. Please leave us a rating and review wherever you listen and do something nice for someone else today. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.